I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing Lion, which is a little book or a long essay, depending how you look at it, by Sam Harris. Mm, I remember... Actually, um, um, it asks the questions, what is lying, for a start, and then when, if ever, is it appropriate? Largely being the case that he's arguing that it's always pretty much better to try and convey honestly and uh, commit to having the truth in the minds of others. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting idea for a book, isn't it, really? Because it's only like 50 pages long. Yeah. And if you listen to the audiobook, it takes about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And he yeah. does a, an added 30-minute Q&A with people, basically just giving him scenarios of when should you lie in this situation and should you not. But it, it, I, I like the thought of more books being like this, just picking a single mm. topic, no, not too much. Um, obviously, there's like a lot of research and study that's gone into it, but the idea that, he's just writing specifically about this one topic and yeah. it gets straight to the point. It's a really enjoyable read. It's, uh, yeah, you could yeah, definitely like imagine it being, chapter. yeah, I was about to just say that you can imagine it being a chapter in one book, but like it's much more memorable having it as a standalone thing than like chapter five of a book on ethics or something like that. Like it's, yeah. it's um, yeah, I would prefer to consume a lot more, ideas that way i think rather than like 300 mm. page books because mm. often by the time you get halfway through you end up just pushing on when you've kind of lost momentum and it's you don't consume it as intently i think mm. and it doesn't linger on too many points either it just kind of gets straight to it and then you move on to the next bit um yeah which i liked um th- there's so much in this book that i found really useful i was oh, cool i was surprised how how, how obvious some of it sounded, but I, I felt like I needed to hear it. Yeah. In the way, you know, coming at the concept of lying and truth from lots of different angles, particularly how it affects your relationships with people, matters of trust, and how it affects the reality that you're living in. Yeah. And in particular, um, I'm sure we'll get into these, but about how um, lying can really affect the person you become and by telling the truth you're getting a better idea a better idea about who you want to be and what's important to you Mm. that those particular bits stood out to me um but overall he he makes a really good case for telling the truth in all all aspects of your life which Mm. um quite a confronting thing how do you feel um how do you feel talking about this subject around lying do you feel that it's something you're quite comfortable with or was this a article that inspired you to be more truthful in more situations in your life um yeah i feel i feel comfortable talking about it it's something i thought about a lot i think but yeah in in reading about it this week it definitely like there were there were occasions where like i might have been reading the book that day and then something came up like really what you what uh seem like trivial things <clears throat> so for example uh um a friend of mine posted on a group message chat can you 
oh guys he's an archaeologist he's like oh guys there's a um like county competition for the best museum can you vote for mine <clears throat> i clicked on this link and it was like there were like rounds to go through to the final and like you're in rounds of two so like you've got two museums and you get to click which one's your favorite and it's like well actually i've never been to either of these museums so like it would be it would be dishonest of me to say i prefer this one <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so and as it happened i couldn't enter the competition because i don't have twitter but it had me thinking like yeah. <laughs> so i i actually said well, at first I, I messaged him and I could have just said, I, sorry, mate, I don't have Twitter. I can't enter it. But I said, sorry, mate, I don't have Twitter. I can't enter it. But even so, I've never been to either of these museums. So it would uh, affect the integrity of the competition for me to vote. And then I gave a little like <laughs> smiley face <laughs> to show yeah. that like it was sort of lighthearted. But, um, and then he said something like, um, oh, well, uh, well, I'll blame you if we don't win, but also on a kind of bantery level. And um, I wouldn't, I don't yeah, think I would have said I like that, that if I hadn't have read the book that week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he talks a lot. Um, that ties into two aspects of what he talks about in the book. One of those is, is tact and how you say things and you can be honest and truthful without um, having to you know, be, be offensive or rude. And sometimes there might be um, questions that you don't want to answer. So there is an element of tact involved. Like, like your example, you added a bit of humour, you got your point across, but also you weren't, you know, if you just said like, actually, I don't want to affect the integrity of the competition, you haven't really judged the situation, you haven't judged the, mm. the um, yeah, the context in which the person's putting that question to you. And the other aspect that this ties into is particularly in um, creative fields, um, he talks about in the book, that if someone's maybe written a song or they've written a book, or for example, I'm guessing your mate, um, you know, what was he the archaeologist of one of the museums? Yeah, or, his archaeology, uh, whatever team was connected to the museum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when, when someone's, um, this, yeah, he talks about this, that when someone's asking for feedback, it's it's that it's really important that you are honest because you could set someone off on a wrong path. Let's say they'd written the first two chapters of a book that they were writing and you read it and you you thought, actually, this isn't that easy to read. It's not that enjoyable. I'm not feeling it. If you tell them, oh, yeah, this is really good, um, keep going, it's, it's quite, it can be quite dangerous to give people support for things that you don't truly believe oh, yeah. um, deserve it. And it's, and it's only your opinion. And he says it's worth highlighting that and being open to being corrected. You can only give your opinion on something. But yeah. he says that in times he's written books, the people who've given him honest feedback are actually his friends. And it's worth looking back at times in your life where you've received praise for things that you don't think you deserve praise for. Oh, uh, yeah, I've definitely received praise and not because of the way they've said it but because of my own insecurities i've doubted whether they mean it or not or whether they're just being like nice and um actually that this this same topic again came up for me this week where a friend sent me um a short story to read for some feedback and you know fortunately i actually did think it was really good and i really enjoyed it <laughs> so so there wasn't that level of discomfort but there's still like you know one or two like 
I guess, like criticisms. Where I'm like, well, just personally, I would shift this round or I don't think that's necessary. Like some of them were opinion based and some of them were just like grammar or whatever, or this is an Americanism or like, um, and it's, it's that balance between, yeah, I want to be honest about what I am being critical about, but I don't want to, if I just send it back with only criticisms, I might also be in, unintentionally giving the impression I didn't like it at all. So I've got to balance that by saying, you know, in general, really love the whole thing. Like these bits made me laugh and here's what I would change if this was mine. And here's a few like typos I spotted. Um, yeah. yeah, like yeah, if I'd have just said that's great with nothing else, I think what he pointed out in the book is that by... If you told someone, like, I, I genuinely, like, you know, I, I found this hard to read and I didn't really like it, then next time they send you something, if you do like it and tell them, they will believe you much more, right? Because th they trust exactly. you're being honest. Yeah, that's it. You become the sort of person um, who people know they'll get an honest answer from, Yeah, which, which I really liked and it, how this all, the concept of telling the truth and being honest and not lying, how that how that affects your relationships. You're seen as a trustworthy person who will give honest answers when asked for. People will stop asking you questions just so they feel good. Because if people know that you're going to give them a positive answer every time you say something, they, they can end up, it, it can affect the relationship. Mm. Like that you won't be the sort of person they seek honesty from. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some really interesting examples you've just given around that for sure, you know, especially like, yeah, a short story, perfect, like links in really well with the book, you know, you're, yeah. you're able to, yeah, you've given it some context as well, saying here's my opinion, but yeah. you're, you're leaving room for them to kind of take or leave your opinion as well. It's like, you've asked for this, this is just my humble opinion, you know, and there's, there could often be limits on your knowledge on the subject as well. They're asking for opinions of, I guess. Mm. Um, mm. So, super interesting. I, yeah. I, I find the book fascinating. I get, I got really into it today. Like, I read it again oh, cool. for the second time. Yeah, because when I first read it, it was um, well, I heard it on audiobook. Yeah. But then to to read it with my own eyes, it just like really brought it home. Yeah. Let's uh, um, let's go to the beginning and like talk about how he defines a lie versus deception versus truthfulness and truth. Yes. Yeah, let's do that. So the definition I've, um, I jotted down from the book around lying is lying is to intentionally mislead others when they expect honest communication. Yeah. And I think this really, really, um, amplifies what he means by a lie. It's when there is the intention to deceive. Yeah. As opposed to, um, maybe, um, more, more of an omission. But you can, yeah. you can still, you can still, he was saying that sometimes you can, you can omit some information, but if there's no intention to deceive, that's, that's not necessarily lying. Yeah. I think from my understanding of what you're saying, there gets mm -hmm. a point where there's this blurred boundary of you can omit with the intention to deceive. Yes. Yeah. So like 
and he also talked about you can tell the truth with the intention to deceive. So he was like, oh, yeah. for, for example, uh, I could go like drive to the White House, stand outside it, yeah, call, yeah. call up Facebook head Q and say, hi, it's Sam Harris. I'm uh, calling from the White House. I want to speak to Mark Zuckerberg, please. And like, he's yeah, like, yeah. technically, <laughs> you could say that's true, but you know what you're meaning when you say that. And you know that how you're trying to deceive the other when you say that. So mm. He, I think he ended by saying, you know, it's it's as good as a lie, even if, depending on how you define it, you might not quite put it in the category. But like, for all intents and purposes for the book, he means that would count as an act of deception that yeah. applies to he, everything he, else he says. He says um, avoidance is deception as well, but it's that that isn't so much around manufacturing a falsehood, as he calls it, but it's more... You, you can still be deceiving someone by avoiding the subject as well. So yeah. I don't know if that t- ties in. What, what, would your, um, what would your understanding be of um, the omission versus commission in terms of lying? Is he saying they're equally just as bad as each other? Um, I, think, I think what he said about in terms of you know severity is is the consequence of the deception so so our decisions and our life are based on our map of reality right we can only act on what we believe so mm. when we're deceived or lied to that that changes our map of reality in a way that's not accurate with the actual world and to the degree to mm. which we base decisions on that is the degree to which like we'll be living out of line with our well-being. So I don't think it's it's necessary like acts of commission are worse than acts of omission. It, it depends on how much the um deception how how distorted the act of de- de- deception aims to uh make the other's worldview. Yeah, how much of their reality are you denying them? Yeah, yeah. By, by lying, it's a nice that, way to put yeah. it. Yeah, that, that's I, that bit really stood out to me as well. The um, the bit around when you tell someone a lie, you're denying them the opportunity to live within reality. You're t- mm. you're taking that away from them, and also the bit around your um, your it, it's kind of offensive to presume that they can't handle the truth yeah. that they. Um, that they're unable, like, who are you to decide that someone can or can't handle yeah. the truth? You're, you're, de- you're denying them a chance to live with the world as it's coming at them. You're just warping your reality and you're denying them from theirs. Yeah. Which, yeah. And I actually, yeah. in my own mind, reading that, I took it a step further with my psychology head on and was thinking that actually a lot of the time when we're saying to ourselves like we're being nice or compassionate by telling this white lie or by not telling someone this uncomfortable truth and that I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable as a justification. Mm. I think I was thinking, well, actually probably more often than not, it's actually, I don't think I can handle their discomfort and I will feel uncomfortable that they're uncomfortable and I don't want to make myself feel that way. I often think it's much Mm. more selfish than we lie to ourselves to uh to convince ourselves that's why we're lying yeah yeah i i i can see how you'd come to that conclusion because it's not as simple as just oh i just wanted to make them feel better it's probably there's something in it for you often 
if you take sure. the, the story example, like right. if to tell someone you didn't like their story might be really difficult and you might tell yourself, oh, it's because I don't want to hurt their feelings. But actually, how would hurting their feelings impact you? That's probably what you're more likely avoiding, right? Yeah, you're worried about the, the friendship or that they'll, they'll find you aggressive or too, too confronting or something mm. and then they won't want to spend time with you or ask you again for mm. help and things like that. But um, God, there's, there's so much in this book to talk about. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether we can just, um, just jump back a second and talk about what he means by white lies. Oh, yeah. So we spoke about what he means by lying in general around, um, you know, intentionally misleading, and we've just spoken about omission and commission. Um, what's your understanding of white lies? Uh, I guess a white lie is the intent to uh, spare someone's feelings with the truth. Is that how you would define it? I'm not sure. My my, my understanding <clears throat> is it involves omission, like mm. not telling of telling some of the truth, but omitting certain bits of information either in order to, um, for damage limitation yeah, or just to, or it's almost like you're able to, to justify saying what you, you said. So it's like, Oh, I did tell you where I was going. Just didn't tell you who I was going with. <laughs> yeah. That, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, I did, you know, I did, I did give you my opinion. I just didn't give you the whole opinion. And this is something he talks about that we, we can never know the whole truth anyway. Yeah. So even in telling the truth, we, we can't, we don't, it's very rare we understand a situation to its fullest. I think that's where he made right. the distinction between truth and truthfulness. So like you can yes. be honest yeah. about what you see and what you feel and what you want. And mm. you can be fully aware that, you might be wrong, but if that's what you believe, then telling your beliefs is the truth. So you might say something that's truthful, but untrue. <laughs> so, you know, well, if, yeah. Incorrect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you believe it, then you're, you're being truthful. Right. So I yeah. think that's possibly where that distinction lies, but it, mm. I think, so my understanding of white lies and I get what you're saying about those acts of omission, but um, he used the example of like, do I look fat in this dress? And to say, no, dear, like that's an act of commission, right? Because you're, you're actually, you're not just admitting truth, you are lying mm. overtly if, if she does in fact look fat in the dress. So yeah. Um, yeah. Is, that, geez, is that what you see as well, that white lies can also be acts of commission as well as acts of omission? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, my, I suppose my main understanding of it in a day-to-day -day sense is normally when you're omitting some information. That feels the most common way of doing it. Yeah. But I suppose you can actively say something, so commission. And I, I think to a degree it always involves leaving out some information, though. Mm. That, that would be my understanding. And something around white lies that I found really interesting in the book is that how he talks about how once you start doing that with people, not telling the whole truth, the edges of reasons to start lying creeps in slowly over time. It's like le there's less and less things you can be truthful about. So mm. if you, I suppose you would get this with, with compulsive liars. I imagine the starting point is finding out that they, oh, I lied once, I kind of got away with it and I got what I needed out of that situation. 
then eventually more and more situations it feels mm. more acceptable to lie to get your own way and just eventually being so caught up that they can't even sit with a reality that's real mm. is constructing their own reality with lots of different lies pulling people left left right and center um i wonder what your your thoughts are on the on how people would become more comfortable with lying over time oh, right. what, what would it, what would it, what would encourage someone to start lying and continue to lie even though the effects would catch up with them in the long term yeah well i imagine i think he something he talks about in the book is that and this actually harks back to what we talked about last week in terms of delaying gratification, that mm. lying saves you short-term discomfort, even though it can lead you into much longer-term troubles. Um, yes. So I think that's the main mechanism. And then obviously, once you tell one lie, like if that's getting close to caught, being caught out, you often then can only tell another lie to keep the first lie alive. Um, mm. So that's probably how it can spiral. Go on. Yeah, he calls that um, mental accounting, doesn't he? Oh, where yeah. Eventually it catches up where there's just so many lies that you're caught up in. You have to remember what you've, what you've yeah. said and, eventually, and ev eventually it becomes unmanageable and relationships will, will crumble. And yeah. The, the, yeah, which is kind of, kind of sad for those people. But there's um, the... On the, the um, one benefit then to committing to the truth is that that doesn't catch up with you, right? You're, you don't have that mental calculating or mental accounting to constantly keep up with. If you know that, well, I'm just someone who commits the truth to honesty, then even if you change your opinion or if you didn't express yourself clearly, you don't have that like backlog of cognitive dissonance to keep up mm. and keep account of. And that's a good point to hammer home, really, isn't it? That you can, back, back to the truth, truthfulness thing, you can, you can still be corrected. You can still change your opinion. Yeah. It's not about being right or saying the right thing. It's about being truthful. And um, he bring, I, I listened to um, an interview he did about this book, and oh, yeah. he quoted Mark, Mark Twain, who, who has a quote saying that the best thing about always telling the truth is you don't have to remember what, what you've said. Yeah. You know, you don't, really you don't nice summary this. of that mental accounting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I wonder whether um, we could just talk a bit about how lying would affect relationships. I'll start with an example yeah. of um, that's in the book where there are there are two ladies going for lunch, and one of the ladies is going for dinner with a third friend in the evening, and she doesn't want to go for dinner with the third friend who's not there. And in front of the other friend, she calls up this lady and goes, um, lying, obviously, hey, sorry, I can't make dinner tonight. The kids are sick. Um, I don't really want to go. And in friend number one, seeing friend number two lying to friend number three, that's really affected their level of, level of trust. Yeah. And um, I guess another example I saw, I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast where um, these two businessmen were playing golf together and one of them in the corner of his eye saw the other businessman like 
using his foot to kick the golf ball into the <laughs> hole, but over his shoulder to try and keep his score down. And that makes me, I've thought that a lot recently. Since reading this book, I've, I've tried to dedicate myself more to the principles in this book as, as best I can. Mm. But I realize in now seeing this, when I see friends or people actively lie to family members, it's quite, um, I view it differently now because it's maybe not a standard of behavior I'd hold myself to, although not perfect in this aspect at all. Um, is there anything you learn in this book about how this affects relationships in particular trust? Yeah. Well, that, that, so that first example, um, it's like woman number two can see, well, if my friend can lie to, woman number three just so easily and so like matter of factly then i wonder what times she's done that to me in the past and like yeah next time uh next time she's like oh sorry you know the kids are sick i can't make our lunch date today like she's gonna have doubts whether she can believe that even though Mm -hmm. she has no evidence that her friends actually ever directly lied to her but just witnessing Mm her lie to someone else i think that it's often it's it sounds so obvious when you just read it or think about it but it might not be something it might be like so unconscious you might just have a feeling you don't trust that person as much but not really remember why or something like that Uh, he does talk about the wide-reaching effects of lying across a lifespan saying that, you know, in time, you know, for example, if this lady did this in quite a lot of different aspects of her life with different people, yeah. in time, your, your world will be surrounded with less, um, less meaningful relationships, less trustful relationships. So it's, I think it's really important to highlight here, I think it'd be good to get onto, that it's not just that single moment in which that lie makes things easy in the short term. Yeah. It, it can build habits, it has a yeah. weakening effect on you, and it can affect all the different relationships in your life. And he, he says how, how often that when someone's being lied to, they're not going to call the person out who's lying to them. Yeah. Often people just stay quite quiet. And then what happens is they have a, a lower level of trust, the relationship isn't as good, and probably fizzles out yeah. over time. And I'm just wondering... I guess the thing I picked up from this is if that's your way of operating in the world, if you're continually lying or just not being fully truthful with everyone in your life, you're going to have a lot of different relationships that aren't like meaningful or yeah. truthful. And yeah, yeah. Or have that. That's, that's have have a huge, oh yeah. It's going to have a huge impact on your life. Yeah. And especially in, you know, being seen as the person who, people can't quite trust or they know you're always exaggerating or you're lying or you're not where you said you would be. And it has really wide reaching impacts, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you want, I mean, almost by definition, I think intimacy is allowing someone into your kind of deepest truths and, and, um, you know, it's not always lying not to share, um, you know, all your feelings all the time. Like for example, he said mm-hmm. often when you bump into a stranger in the street and they say, Hey, how are you? Like, you're not going to tell them about your bowel movements or your relationship oh, with your yeah. mom. <laughs> but, but like, cause, cause we recognize that 
that isn't a you you can read the subtext that that's not a genuine like yeah. i'm up for really listening in depth to how you are it's just a greeting it's i'm a human you're a human we're in the same space let's say something to one another um but if that and, and then he goes say if that's a loved one who would regularly be checking in on you every day they ask how you are yeah you should read the subcontext that they're they're genuinely interested and give an honest answer. The um, in the book he says um, lying is a reco- a recoil from relationship, mm. and that's a real wow. that's quite a quite a big point, isn't it? Saying if if you're you know lying to your friends and the people around you, you're you're devaluing relationships and you're stopping there being any depth in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You um at the start of the call, you said something about. Was it along this line? Because it seemed like the most um, exciting thing to you was about how this kind of affects your relationships and sense of self. And we didn't dig into it at the beginning. Do you remember saying that? Or? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the bit you're talking about is um, how in being truthful, you're holding up a mirror to yourself about what's really important. Okay. So if you realise... Um, if you realize over time that you continually are lying to a group of friends about not wanting to go to dinner with them and you're coming up with excuses all the time, if you start telling the truth, you can realize actually whether you want to spend time with those people, whether you Um, genuinely are interested in hanging out with them. So Um, there's a level at which lying to others, um, you end up actually hiding truths or even lying to yourself. Yeah, and I, I thought that was really interesting in the sense of, I suppose, personal growth and change, isn't it? Because yeah. if you're, if you are telling the truth, I, I guess I'm relating in particular to doing things with other people. But if you start telling the truth to yourself, you can work out what you actually want to do. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. do I do I enjoy doing this, or am I doing this to be? maybe seen to be doing it or am I doing it for someone else so they feel happy or yeah it's just a really interesting concept yeah just that of holding up it's a mirror you've got to look at everything as it is and assess and analyze and strategize what's important to you yeah rather than having a warped and it goes back to that warped view of reality if you can't see things for what they are the world's not being reflected back to you as it is how are you going to make clear and meaningful choices in your life yeah which you can hide yourself from if you either tell lies and make excuses or even if you um so there are times like you know traits of um people pleasing where maybe you get invited to social events and or whatever and you actually don't want to go but you do anyway to like please other people Mm -hmm. and then by not you know, you're hiding and lying to yourself, your desires and to them. And then, like you say, you're not holding that mirror up to yourself and actually saying, what do I want? What do I like? And missing that opportunity for growth and learning who you are and what relationships are important to you and which um, aren't helping you with any depth or growth. Or and what, what actually may, may bother you as well. Like what are your... Um what are your, you know, what, what things touch a nerve with you as well? You know, if, if you continually, every time a certain thing happens, kind of brush it off and say it's okay. Mm. 
I can imagine building mental habits and patterns where you just, you accept certain levels of behavior or you accept certain things in your life that you're not actually that interested in or, or find acceptable. Mm. Which mm. I think about if you don't confront them. Mm. Um, I'd be interested to um, speak about an example of a, a friend of ours who I remember you telling me, I think when we first read this book, maybe two years ago, two or three years ago, we talked about a friend who you went for dinner with and he really didn't enjoy his dinner. It just wasn't great. And, right. you know, it wasn't like a big deal, but, um, and then the waitress um, came up at the end and goes, Oh, Hey sir, how was your dinner? And our friend said, Oh um, yeah, it was all right. Thanks. Cheers. And they kind of took it away and walked off with it. And I think the bit I reflected on that is that, in the short term, it's not a big deal, but there's a, there's a, to practice, I suppose, telling the truth in all situations and being honest. It's often in these small moments when you can test yourself and mm. practice doing it. There, there's a strength, you know, across the whole day, there might be, let's say a hundred times you've been asked a question and to tell the truth. And maybe it's just that that's the one time out of a hundred you you avoided telling the truth just for the sake of ease because you didn't want to have the conversation with the, the waiter or waitress about the level of your food. But I, the bit I remember speaking to you about, that there's a real strengthening aspect in confronting all situations with the truth because, again, the edges would creep in. The reasons for lying would, could get, I guess, large, more reasons to lie yeah. over time. If you think, oh, just, every, time I'm in, every time I'm in a restaurant, I'll just say it's fine. Every time I get a haircut that I mm. hate, I'll just say it's fine. Every time mm. my coffee's shit, I'll, you know, I, I, I find that habits would build over time mm. with that. And although it doesn't seem big in the moment, um, it can really affect, the, I suppose, the language that you speak. And, uh, oh, yeah. The oh, yeah. yeah. Like how many... Mm. Um, I thought about this as well when... Um, so I've been reviewing some nonviolent communication, which I'd love us to dive into at some point, but he talks about the language we use and that we often say, Oh, Oh, I can't make it. And it's like, well, it's not that you can't make it. <laughs> it's that you have a, another appointment that you'd rather do, or you, you have something else that you're preferring to do instead of this. And mm. like, just by saying, I can't it, you're like, it's somehow making it easier to deny your freedom than to say like, I won't be joining you tonight because I'd uh, rather be on my own and watch some Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's giving it context, isn't it? And giving, I mean, I, I suppose let's have a think about it. So in that example, you've had, a, you've had like a not great meal. Waitress asks how your food was. Yeah. And just a bit of context, you're just a bit tired. You can't be bothered. You don't, you can't be bothered getting into the conversation. I suppose I'm putting you on the spot here, but what, what would be some more helpful language you think Sam Harris would suggest we use in that situation? Um, I, I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> well, just thinking like, I don't know. Uh, no, I didn't really like it. Uh, no, that wasn't really for me. It's not, like, wasn't for me. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, not like critical, is it? Yeah. But the, no. I think the, the point, it seemed like you thought was important was that even if in this one situation 
um, you think it's making it easier. It's the, the habit of building those types of responses or that types of speech and how it could creep into things that become more important over time. And like, and, the, and the like awesome. if you're being honest in that situation, like to that specific situation, that waitress didn't cook the food like the chef did. And, and again, it might just be your opinion. Someone else might have enjoyed that meal. I guess there are cases where the yeah. food is objectively bad and that might also be useful feedback for the owners of the business to know. Yeah. But like, um, but you can be genuinely like thankful to the waitress while still telling her you didn't enjoy the food. <laughs> you can be grateful mm. for the job she's doing. <laughs> yeah. And like have a nice you- attitude towards her. The bit I, um, to, to expand on this a bit, the bit I worry about is the automaticity of those sorts of lies. Yeah. That if, if there's that many occasions, it becomes your, your default. And even though it seems, it's, it feels harsh to call that lying or put any sort of moral judgment on it, but I, I believe those sorts of reactions can be quite, become quite automatic. You can become quite passive to the truth and not really engage with it you just sort of you could float through life just kind of being agreeable with things that don't suit you and yeah accepting things that weren't okay to you yeah 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 mm. i don't think it has to be like it's more about the um you know rather than judging someone for doing that it's more about just thinking how it could affect them over time right and wh- mm. whether it would actually be better for you to commit to more honest communication like the I can't stuff. I, I don't know why. I think that must have come up this week as well. But um, it's so easy, right? When someone says, Oh, do you want to do this later? And you say, Oh, I can't. Rather than like saying, Well, I, I, I could, but I'm, I've got this that so I'm going to do instead. <laughs> and think about being on the, um, the, the receiving end of that as well. It's like, You can't. Well, do you want to or not? Because I'm going to keep asking if you want to. Right, hang out or whatever. Like, if you don't want to do it, then you. If you keep saying you can't, then, yeah, then you're not giving the other person the opportunity to live in reality. You're just popping them right. in a state of worry for the last <laughs> for the next amount of days or whatever. Yeah, it might be that you um, would enjoy that activity, but at that time they're asking you have something else that you'd prefer to do, or it might be that like that is never something I want to do, <laughs> and like that information, it was very helpful to the person asking the question, right? And you think about across your lifespan as well, how much time you would spend, you know, in that situation, someone wants to do something you're not interested in, you like, you put it off for like three weeks or something, and then eventually you might do that activity to that person that you didn't want to do, or it takes you three weeks to say what you actually want to do instead or where you stand with that person. But there's a lot of, wasted time yeah yeah. i think that that's something that i suppose would bother me with other people if they're i guess not interested in doing something with me or it's just it becomes unclear it becomes muddy and everyone's just wasting their time like they're wasting their time deflecting you asking what they want to do and then you're you're wasting your time asking yeah when it could easily just be solved going oh, actually i don't i don't like going horse riding yeah yeah it reminds me of this i was on this bus trip um 
with a bunch of students at this uni I was at in Greece and I didn't know anyone on the bus but it was like a 14 hour bus journey and uh, I got to chatting with someone and we got like uh digging into this topic of telling the truth because he was saying like um well what like sometimes my girlfriend wants to like see me that night and I don't want to see her um so I'd like tell her, you know, I've got plans with my friends when actually I just want some time at home by myself. I don't really want to spend any time with her that night. I might have seen her a couple of times that week. Mm. And I was like trying to make the case why that wasn't beneficial for him in the long run. Um, I think I was kind of struggling at the time because he was making quite a good argument for why <laughs> it would just cause yeah. him, like so much more, so much less like, resistance and struggle just to be like oh, i've got plans <laughs> when actually he just wants like if he's like oh, I, I just want to lie at home on my own and not see you like he could just predict she'd take it personally and it would cause an argument and it would cause yeah. more hassle than actually just going around to see her and I, I guess i was trying to zoom the lens back a bit from that specific and be like well you know is there a question there of what is this relationship if you actually like, is it maybe, you know, maybe it's fine. You just have a need for relaxation and to be on your own tonight. And you, you, you do want to be in this relationship, but is there also a question of like, you don't really want to spend time with her. <laughs> it, like, are you not confronting something in yourself there that actually what's this, that saying? Yeah. Yeah. And like, what's it saying if that relationship can't handle you saying, you know, there are times I need to be on my own it's nothing about you it's just like a need i have because that need's not going to be that one night right he's going to have other times in the future where he's going to need some privacy and, and if he's concerned it, that each time it's going to cause offense then that's something that's going to eventually need to be addressed and what if he gets away with it once saying oh you know, i'm um you know lying that one time then he might use that excuse the next time and yeah. then it just you can only use that excuse so many times and then it then you've got to face reality in the end anyway so yeah right right um, what's your um well yeah i'll i'll say something and ask you yeah, go like, for it. what did you uh, i found the bit really interesting where he says when we lie to people we trust them less oh yeah that was remember interesting. that bit? so yeah so he says um like we right we, we respect them less because we it's almost like they fell for our lie we see them as right yeah yes. I, I didn't yeah. understand yeah. the um i didn't understand the reasoning behind it but yeah i know he said that there's evidence that when we lie to people we so i think he always said we we don't like them as much either like we're, we're more distrustful of them mm. we keep them at arm's length but we're the one well, yeah, yeah i guess what's it say about a relationship that you feel comfortable lying with them does that mean you, you respect them less do you, you know, there's, there must be something in that, that you're, I guess it goes back to presuming they don't have capacity. You're seeing them as incapable people who can't sit with the truth. Maybe. Maybe mm. it's, um, I was thinking it could be some kind of projection where like, oh, there's a, there's a phrase for this in psychology, which I've forgotten, but there's, there's this idea that we, we need to maintain a um, good view of ourselves like a positive, um, see ourselves as a good person. And so when we act out of line with that, we almost have to distort 
our view of reality so as to maintain our internal view as a good person mm, so, maybe, okay. so, so maybe if we're lying to someone we're we're there's a part of us that knows that's kind of breaking our inner sense of morality or whatever but maybe we like have to avoid that and we sort of project that onto the person we're lying to and see them as the bad distrustful person so to see ourselves as still upstanding and honest even though we're blatantly not mm. be an interesting thing to watch wouldn't it when mm. when that happens for for people seeing why, why do we feel that it's okay to lie to this particular person would we lie to our best friend or you know in our closest relationships why why am i more honest in those relationships compared to other relationships and mm. I, I suppose it it cuts off any tie to be able to have a deeper bond with that person if you're if you're not willing to tell them the truth or not willing to give them your honest opinion yeah on things then you're you're not really valuing their you're not giving them a chance are you really no yeah mm. i am um, so something I really wanted to speak about was yeah. um, I watched a video by Jordan Peterson about the truth as well. So in, okay. in sort of prepare, in preparing for this video, I had a look at um, different people's view on lying as well, just to add a bit of a yeah. extra view on it. And um, he talks a lot about how truth and telling telling the truth is the antidote to suffering, and how in a very chaotic world we have to face face it with truth if we're to stand a chance and he he talks a bit about he had a time in his life where he said he i'll, I'll kind of read it here. he said um he's basically gonna give up trying to say things in order to get what he needs and he was just going to say what he knew and felt to be true and just go go from there mm. and he says that it's really important that we listen to what we say and whether that makes us feel stronger or weaker. So in our communication, he says that we know when we're saying something we know to be true or, I guess, truthful, mm. and we know when we're lying. And he says when, we, when we're out of a line, we're on unstable ground. But when we say something we know to be, like the words we're saying and the feeling we get inside are aligned, that that creates a stable ground in which to face the world as it comes to us. Mm. Um, we can, yeah, basically says like we can center and withstand uncertainty. And I found that a really interesting angle on it, that he really has, it is so important just to face the world with, with truth. And he gives mm. lots of different examples from, um, Freud saying that, you know, repression is suffering and, you know, how Roger spoke about how honest dialogue is curing to us and draws on Adler mm. as well. So we live out, we act out a life lie and he just mm. throws it all in there. And it, it's quite, I found that interesting. Just being able to like listen to when you know you're saying something's not true or with the intent to deceive, it doesn't, feel right so yeah. when the wave of um you know suffering comes eventually in life if you haven't got a stable base and you're not willing to tell the truth things will could inevitably get a lot worse and you'd be mm. better off 
telling the truth and facing them head on with a clear reality. You can see things clearly if you face the world with truth. Mm. I imagine you've watched a few videos on that or you maybe you know what I'm talking about because I know you've read his stuff. Yeah, no, I like that. That was something that got me really, um, really interested and you're super passionate about that bit. Yeah, I can see. I see your enthusiasm. So it's like, because this is more, I think Sam Harris's book's focusing more on deception, right? Whereas what you were talking about then sounded a bit more like you know, overtly saying your truth whether it's true, yeah. Uh, you know, when it's important to you, um, which sounds like a step beyond not deceiving, I think. Um, it sounds like slightly in a different category. So you're yeah, saying, Yeah, we like, shifted from lines to truth, yeah. So you've got this internal map of reality, and that when you express that to the outer world, to other people, that there's something strengthening about that. Yeah, that's something def- it, it reinforces and it strengthens you. So when reality does hit, you can see it a lot clearer. Well, they say like a monster's less scary when the lights are on in the room or yeah. whatever, you know, the monster under the bed's not as scary when the lights are on. And yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. Um, yes, I just found that super interesting, I guess. Yeah, so I, I think I've got an example of of that. So... Um, there's this uh, girl I'm attracted to and I was planning on, I was thinking about asking her out to do something and then this whole lockdown stuff happened and I kind of pushed out my mind a bit. I was like, well, I'll think about that later then. But then like over a bit of time, it started to feel silly that like, well, I don't know how long this lockdown is going to happen and why put off any sense of like, I, I have this desire to get to know this person more. Um, and there are ways of doing that without um, physically meeting up. So like when that started to be more in my mind, I think this is an example of it's, it wouldn't have been a lie not to call her and tell her, right? So I, I wouldn't be doing any sort of deception just by not telling her how I felt unless she were to like, we were to be in some interaction and she overtly asked me, but um I called her up and said, like, I was thinking about asking if you wanted to do something before this lockdown, but then the lockdown happened. Um, so I thought I'd see if you just wanted to arrange some time to spend some more one-to-one time together on Zoom or on the phone or something. She was like, yeah, that'd be really nice. I was like, oh, great. And we arranged a time and all that. And it's like this, I had this anxiety, such anxiety of doing that, of like, I had this internal truth and then to express it externally to someone, you realize that the, the fear of making that congruent is, is not based on much. Like even if she'd have rejected me, like it wouldn't have felt as bad as the anxiety would have had me believe, right? Well, at least you would have known, right? I'm guessing if, if you were rejected, then at least you had a clear idea that she didn't yeah. want to spend time uh, with you. And that, I think that, that's, what, that's the bit that really stands out to me. Like e- either way, good or bad it's clear right yeah that uh now you're saying that because when you said about um when you described it in the abstract and said about you know you've got your internal map of reality when you express that you kind of face the truth I, that didn't quite click for me but now you're saying that yeah like i by expressing my truth i get the truth back 
and then I mm. can have a more accurate map of reality. And that's, that's as Sam Harris argues, is, is a good thing because we base all our decisions on our map of reality. And like our well-being is based on our decisions. So it's quite crucial we have a, an accurate map as possible to everything that's relevant mm. in our lives, including the feelings and wants of those we're close to. Mm. It ties in a bit to what we spoke about in uh, episode one around, I suppose, in this particular context in asking someone um, to spend more time or a date or something like that. You can, you can learn a lot from someone's response, can't you? You go, here's my truth. I'd yeah. like to spend more time with you. I'm interested in you. If they respond with what feels like a lie or doesn't, or, oh, I can't, or it doesn't feel quite right, then then that's that's what you've you've got coming back at you. Like if they're telling the truth, they'll either say yes, no, or I mean they, they could say like maybe, but I don't I don't know right now if I'm interested or what, yeah. but at least it is true. And I the point you have is down in the book is that you, you do feel that we are quite you know also one of the um, interviews I listened to says we are actually quite good at reading signs. We've got good mm. intuition with this sort of thing. We know when something doesn't feel quite right or we're being lied to. It's just we very rarely call people on it. And even if, so in, in stating truths that way, um, you're going to get some form of feedback. And even if the feedback's a lie, like um, let's say, I don't know, you give someone a present and um they open it and they say, oh, thank you. That's really nice. Like, even if you're not sure, you can tell when someone like loves something, but do you know, like you can tell them like, oh my God, like how, uh, how the hell did you know? Like, this is the one thing I had missing from my collection or something like you can tell yeah, the difference yeah. between that. And um, so even if you're not sure if they're lying, like by just, by putting yourself out there you're going to get some feedback which gives you more information than not putting yourself out there like even if like you said with the example of asking someone out even if they say oh i can't or maybe like you know that's not a oh yeah like i was really hoping you'd ask me <laughs> like you can see yeah. that, that you're getting some truth back to fill in your map even if it's not exactly what you want and, it, and you know it can i i suppose I'm just thinking in terms of how technology's affected this as well. You know, we, in a time where we get a lot more, lot less face-to-face -face contact. I suppose if you've ever asked a, a girl out in a bar, like you, you're pretty sure if it's a yes or a no, right? Whereas, like <laughs> <Yeah>. over, <laughs> over text, it's over text or Zoom. I don't know whether like over a camera is different or not, but I wonder whether just technology's having a bit of a an effect on our ability to um, tell if someone's lying or they're communicating truthfully. It certainly impacts our way of being able to bail out of social occasions, for yeah. sure. People are able just to, you know, text five minutes before and, you know, ditch a social yeah. meetup or something like that, or they can hide their intentions clearly in a message and because there's no emotion in there either. It's just words and... Because sometimes I, I find it hard to read that, um, you know, whether, um, you know, someone wants to hang out or, you know, I want to go with a mate to the gym or something. And I don't get, 
I get a text back that I can't tell if it's true or not. Yeah. It's just text, and some people are short texters, some people are long texters. Um, yeah. Some people say exactly what they mean. I mean, emojis try and do something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, think, cringy. <laughs> yeah, on the technology front, I think email and text, instant messaging, that's the biggest gulf. Like phone and videos. I think generally it's not quite the same as in person, but like the gap mm-hmm. between that is smaller than the gap between say the phone or texting with, you can read anything yeah. into a text, right? It's yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we can um, touch on one part he talks about around um, integrity yeah, and um, how that relates to sincerity and honesty and that sort of thing. And he speaks about being able to, communicate in a way that our private life and our um, public life are the same and I wonder how how that can be achieved for someone I, I suppose there's ways of sharing aspects of your private life with people in day-to-day settings I know everyone operates you know some people might be you might be a son or you know a family member you might be a father or a boyfriend or a yeah. um, or the worker, or, you know, we all have different roles in our lives. Yeah. And I know you've spoken a lot to me about um, being congruent and, you know, around being, being able to be yourself in any situation that you go into. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm wondering how you think that might be achieved and what relationship there might be between being congruent and integrity. Um, so you're raising the topic of integrity and thinking about different roles in your life and how you can kind of be different personas depending on who you're interacting with and yeah and in this context of you know lying and honesty how can how can we yeah how can we be congruent across different aspects of our life yeah so I think I guess there's a level of uh, I hate this word, but appropriateness depending on your role. So for example, um, as in my role as a therapist, I, I would rarely share personal information um, like of my personal life. You know, if we've got a 50 minute session and they're paying me to um, help them with their growth and their issues then unless i'm sure that me sharing my stuff is in aid of that goal then i generally wouldn't in a way that i might do if i was having a 50 minute chat with you uh, as a friend where there's a more equal um balance of what we're doing so that's like an example of where i might behave differently because of the aim of what we're doing because of my role yeah. Um, but then the, it's not like I'm. Yeah, but then I can still be congruent with that. Like even if they said, like even if someone was a client was confused and was like, "Oh, this seems to be all about me," I I could say, um, "Well, y- yeah, you're uh, you're paying me for these sessions to help you with these problems." So I've I've directed a lot of my conversation around listening to you and learning about you. Um, sounds like maybe you would find it more comfortable if you knew a bit about me. 
And if that was the mm. case and it would actually help the relationship, then maybe I would do and consider it whatever. Um, but I wouldn't walk in and be like, oh, I've had a hell of a day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much this is getting to the topic you were talking about, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to know what you think about this topic of integrity then, uh, if it seemed like it was important to you. Yeah, I, I think there's just something that stood out to me around your your private life and your public life. There's not too much difference between it. And I, I suppose I think about the different you know, faces people put on going into different aspects of their life. And often those could be could be a lie or different sorts of lies. So you end up having all these different sorts of personalities. You're one, you know, you care about one thing to one person, but then in other groups of friends, you 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 don't care about it. You know, just the, the things that matter to you and are important to you mm. could, in theory, change in different friendship groups and different circles um and you're suggesting this to this could be to your detriment if it's taken too far is that i think it yeah if it's taken too far it could be to your detriment and what sam talks about is that he knows in his his public life and when he writes books and things because he's honest across the board and avoids lying or deceiving people as much as possible yeah. he doesn't have to worry about being seen as a different as a different person yeah. he's just if i'm honest in all situations obviously taking into account things like you said that i suppose in particular work you know i've got that the same as well working um in a hospital environment as well you know client asked for my surname mm. and i was you know explained that um we tend not to give those we don't give those out for confidentiality and that sort of thing mm. um, as an example, but just, it, it seemed like a, an honorable goal to be able to feel like there was no blur between who you are at home and who people see you as in public mm. life or in different relationships. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to give out the same information, Yeah, or, with you. but you are, you're the same person but maybe you just give a bit more in certain situations. You're not overtly a different person. I think that's something I've seen in some friendships or in some people that they seem to be a different person and it can feel like oh, okay. a lie. Yeah. yeah can um, you, um, I hope so I've explained that clearly. Yeah. I think uh, it's... If you're happy to, because you, you just, at, right at the end, you started to get more like how this might have, you've noticed in your life. So with, could, could you like tell me more about people you've noticed? Maybe not their names, but like what you've noticed about them that's interested you. <laughs> yeah, just give out a list of them. <laughs> uh, I, I suppose something I've seen, um, pe- people I know who in social situations put yeah. on, put on a front. So they, but behind closed doors, they're very sensitive, honest, yeah. and kind people. But when when they're in group situations, they put on a front and act a bit more 
of an asshole. They're a bit more critical of other people. Yeah, yeah. They're a bit more happy to um, spread lies about other people or uh-huh. I suppose just a bit more of a, a turbulent human being outside in social situations compared to at home. They're particularly sensitive. They're worried about how other people view them. They're worried about how they're seen. Um, that sort of thing. But in front of other people, they're quite happy to throw others under the bus. Yeah. And to me, that feels like there's no, there's no center to that person that they they will go with the wind, no matter what the situation demands of them. Mm. I don't know if that, does that explain it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think what, um, yeah. what came to my mind is, this idea of like social hierarchy, especially like bravado in men, um, mm. where like if you're in a one-to-one situation, you're, uh, your position in the tribe isn't really under threat. And actually the, the most important thing is your relationship with that individual. Whereas if you're in a group of people, then um, especially like you said, if there's some, insecurity about what people think about you then your desire to have others see you as higher up in the social hierarchy and not somewhere towards the bottom is uh, perhaps more at the forefront for you and um and a, a dirty trick <laughs> to get higher up in the hierarchy is to put other people down and make them seem like they're below you um so that's what came up in my mind when you were talking about that yeah. situation it, it feels, I, you know, I, I'm not sure if we're straying a bit off topic here, but it feels there's the the behaviours they have are not always in line with their values and morals. Yeah, that I that I know them for. Yeah, yeah. And it's and from an outside point of view, seeing them interact with other people, it's that whether it's they're lying to themselves but they're, they're a different person in those situations. Yeah. I don't know whether you can call, I, I'm not sure whether you can, when someone's acting differently, are they lying to themselves or are they just going with just how they survive in that, in that situation? It'd be critical to call them a liar, I think, but are they maybe just surviving? Yeah. Incongruent, I think, as you brought up earlier, is probably a apt word for it. I think there's, it comes down potentially to this um, locus of evaluation. So if mm. we if we have principles and values that are constantly um, that we feel like we own and that that we've come to and that we choose to live by, then um, that gives us that freedom to live by those things like by those principles, by these values in whatever situation we might find ourselves. Whereas if, um, our sense of worth is based on how we're perceived from the outside and the feedback we get back, then we have to shape shift depending on what well, if I'm with grandma to get, uh, to get good feedback in that situation, I have to act completely differently to when I'm with a group of mates or when I'm at work in front of my boss. And I think, it's that's quite a dichotomy because I think we always everyone has this tussle between internal and external locus of evaluation. But when it sways too much towards like I have no inner 
evaluation myself and it's all external then i think that's probably where you can see more um like personality shifting from situation to situation it's like loss of sense of true self i think in in behaving in a way in which you you have a um over reliance on your external um looks of evaluation yeah i i perceive in this situation that there's lots of omissions lots of micro lies lots mm. of twisting and turning i guess it's less so around the way they were critical to other people but it's more around lots of small little things just to change the way in which they're seen mm. by other people and i think it's it's often overlooked that and people don't realize that they're doing it just slowly surely changing the way that they're viewed by other people by these micro lies or these omissions or sometimes yeah. more overtly just you know you hear them lie in front of other people about something they did and you're like you didn't do that like or that mm. sounded way cooler than you actually it actually was, <laughs> I was there. You know? so, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that wasn't as cool yeah well if uh, is it the um I should know this really. Is it the Stanley Milgram experiments with the um, electrocuting, like the fake electrocutions of people? Did you know that one? The obedience. I've heard about that, yeah. So yeah. it's like, um, it was back in the 60s, you get someone, a, a teacher and a learner in, a, in an experiment. Um, the teacher asks questions, the learner is behind some um, panel which you can't see through, and the teacher has. Um, like this electrocution device and each time the learner gets something wrong they give them a small electric shock and the electric mm. shock supposedly increases each time they get a wrong question and this like electric shock device goes all the way up to potentially lethal and um the but the teacher doesn't know that the learner in this experiment is actually an actor and they're not getting electrocuted at all, but they're just like pretending to be like, ah, <laughs> like screaming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like so many, I think it was about two thirds, somewhere between 60 and 70% of people just because if someone's in a white coat saying, please proceed with the experiment, they'll just continue all the way up to lethal electrocution. <laughs> oh, and people, and the, they can hear the actor who they don't know is an actor screaming yeah. in an agony. Yeah. Like, please stop. <laughs> like, uh, and there was like, and th this was in response to um, reflections on, I guess, World War II and how so many people could like um, act the way they did in as Nazis in concentration camps, things like this. So I think there are we can all of us can be pushed to some point where external locus of evaluation is more important than our internal integrity. Um, we just have to find a high enough level of authority that that really pushes our buttons but yeah i think mm. um that experiment kind of highlights that a, a lot of people would uh obey authority whether it's i don't know cultural conditioning or self-esteem i don't mm. know then yeah they would find that challenging and then their behavior would adjust accordingly yeah yeah and i, I wonder what the difference is between mm. that third of people who said like I'm not going to continue. This is cruel, despite you in the white lab coat telling me I must continue. Like, maybe they've faced more situations in their life where they've had to stand their ground. Yeah, maybe. Or they they, they value the truth over over anything else. Yeah. Mm.
it's definitely one to think of in your own life, isn't it? Where would I like succumb to external evaluation and where would I sacrifice my personal integrity to be seen positively in the light of others? Hmm. So I think we've, we've covered quite a lot in the book. Yeah. I, I feel like I've managed to cover everything that interested me during that. Um, during my reading, all the different um, interviews I've listened to around him. Was there anything else you wanted to speak about before we wrap up? Uh, cool. Um, well, if I have to pause, then I guess not. <laughs> um, nothing on the top of my head. Because one thing I like to do uh, on these sessions, I think, is because we talk about so much, is just to recap by asking you, like, out of all of what we talked about, what personally was like the most important thing for you about it? The most important thing I found was the aspect of um, truth being a mirror to what you really want in your life. So that aspect of if you stop lying and you start telling the truth, you'll see things as they are and you'll work out what you really Mm. want and don't want in your life, who you want to be and who you don't want to be. Those, Those aspects of it and how how it's a strengthening thing to face every situation with the truth. So reality comes back at you not warped and the people in your life have not been denied that reality also and the effect that has on Mm. relationships um, kind of through three into one there. But that's my, yeah. That 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 one at the end, Yeah. yeah. The mirror aspect and how that affects who you are and the relationships in your life. That'd be my highlights. What yeah. about yours? I like that bit of, um, well, it, it had me thinking that when you, if you don't say uncomfortable truths, which I know is a bit of a step beyond lying, but then if you're treating everyone as if like they can't handle truths, then you don't actually know your relationships that can. Um, mm. And that those relationships, you're doing them a disservice by not granting them the depth that they have and their potential for that level of intimacy. Um, especially if you're like lying to like your wife or your intimate partner where you'd yeah, like to think yeah. well, that's going to be your most... Um, I think he said one of his statistics at the start of the book, for, I don't know how they do these experiments, but it was like one in 10 interactions with your spouse is a lie. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, so yeah i i think i i mirror that sentiment and that i think for me the way i'd put it the most important part of this for me personally is that obviously it does a disservice to other people to purposely distort their reality and um especially if you know they've I was going to say don't deserve it. I, I don't mean it quite that way, but he talked about situations where, you know, what if a murderer comes to your door and says, where's your son? And I know hmm. we kind of consciously didn't dig into all these specifics, but like, so there's, there's the idea that it's not, it's not, um, it's not compassionate to, to distort people's, um, yeah. Yeah. Reality. Even if, you know, that's sometimes it feels like it is because you white lies and such, but for me, Who are you to decide. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For me, the most important is when you do that, you actually can, you're doing it to also lie to yourself. And uh, I think that's potentially the saddest part because by lying to yourself, you're distorting your own 
map of reality and that kind of inhibits your own well-being by not being able to make decisions based on the truth not be able to live with integrity not having deeper relationships um and in terms and of the bit- spirit spiritual growth we talked about in the last session it's like yeah like by being honest with yourself is is the path to spiritual growth i believe and you, you don't know who you could be in, right. in a in a truthful world like you until you face reality with truth you don't know what you're capable of yeah. what what think what things you could achieve if you if you're you're lying or distorting reality you're avoiding confronting what what could be yeah and i think yeah if you do that over a number of years and do not deny yourself the chance to face reality head on, you don't yeah. know where that could lead to. And it's, yeah. it's you no, know, to, to summarize, it's quite exciting to think, you know, although it's, it seems quite challenging, it's exciting to think what, what could come your way mm. if you, if you put out truth and yeah. avoid lying and manipulating reality. What's the worst that can happen and what's the potential goodies of it, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, acknowledging the challenges that come with that and, um, you know, the imperfections we have Uh, and the way we try and protect ourselves. It's um, it's an exciting exciting read. I I feel motivated after reading it. Yeah, yeah. Downtrodden about mistakes. (laughs) Yeah, and talking to you about it today, like... I haven't realized how many things this week I might have said differently because of reading this book only, only through mm. discussing it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I did that. And I, I might not have done had I not have read that. Um, yeah. um one last thing I wanted to say was it's really hard. <laughs> like, um, yeah. we, we've, I don't want to come across as if from like a moral high ground or anything. Cause there's loads of things I've like loads of truths I've denied to people in the past and I still struggle to. So like H1 is difficult, it's anxiety provoking. It's like, it takes a lot of courage to overcome, to do it. So as well as, as much as I pr- uh, feel like I'm promoting it here, I'm not saying it's easy by any imagination. Agreed. Yeah. I was wondering whether to say that at the start, but I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think um, I'm, I'm hoping that we gave a couple of examples where you are able to provide, particularly around you know the stuff around um, the dinners and haircuts and micro moments where you can practice and yeah. give give this a go. And I think that's the bit I was highlighting that that's where you need to practice because the walls will creep in and uh, yeah. excuses can be made. So um, that's where it gives you practice yeah, really. to to tell the truth to your intimates where, you know, it's, it's strengthening you, strengthening that muscle to be able to do that where it's really more important to you. Really enjoyed this with you, mate. Number yeah. four. It's going well. I'm having a great time. Yes. Um, really enjoyable. I, uh, I love picking up a book that I've, I've read again and it all just comes flooding back in and the, the joy I had from reading it, um, yeah. comes back. So yeah, if anyone wants to read this, I think we'll, we'll start putting, links in uh in the description if people want to go and buy the book or will we <laughs> listen to it yeah I've, I've, made that, I've made that decision so. i give that job to you then mate <laughs> yeah, yeah i'll do that i'll comment and um chuck it in there so if anyone wants to read this it'd be um yeah and uh love to hear your feedback so. yeah 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 thanks very much i really appreciate this it's uh really helpful for my life to discuss these it's um you don't realize how much of a book you don't take on board until you're forced to have to talk about it with someone. Yeah.
and that that was my reasoning for doing this as well wanting to express my learnings and like work it out with you so yeah really grateful for this mate and it's um awesome to keep catching up every week other side of the world we couldn't be further apart I reckon. Yeah. so yeah <laughs> see you next time mate see you mate bye, bye. bye.